Thank you for coming to the podcast, Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com is brought to you by my personal favorite company in the BJJ gear market. I'm talking about ADK Fightwear. Everyone who trains knows that when you need new gear, it usually means a big hit to your bank account. Either that or you wind up with a rash guard that pills or tears at the seams. Not with ADK though. If you go to ADKFightwear.com right now and use our special promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, you can get their arm bars and stripes rash guard for just 16 bucks. That's right, just 16 bucks for a high quality rash guard that looks as sharp as hell. It's almost unbelievable, so to see it for yourself, head to ADKFightwear.com right now, use promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, and meet them at the top of whatever mountain you decide to climb. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. Daniel Gumby bringing with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and this week we have the pleasure of speaking to Tatiana Suarez, fresh off of her brutal victory over former champion Carla Esparza. First of all, Tatiana, congratulations on the win. Esparza is obviously like a tough wrestler, but you made getting her down a bunch of times look pretty damn easy. Were you surprised that she was as easy to take down as she appeared to be? Uh, no, I wasn't surprised. Um... Just like anything, you know, there's different levels uh, in terms of, you know, a sport. I was on the top of, I was at the top of the, you know, of the food chain when it came to wrestling. So, um, you know, she was just like a collegiate wrestler. She started wrestling when she was in high school. I've wrestled since I was three years old. I'm big, I'm strong, uh, I'm long, so, and I'm more experienced than her. So I was not at all surprised. Awesome. And and so everybody kind of knew coming into this fight card, too, that this was a big fight card for the strawweight division. There were two matchups with top contenders in them, former champion versus you, and obviously Jessica Andrade versus Carolina Kowalkiewicz. Did you watch their fight, or how closely were you watching their fight after yours took place? I was eating a brownie when I was watching it. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I watched it, you know, I was interested, you know, I, I um, uh, Caroline, Caroline, I don't know if it's Carolina or Carolina, or I don't know how to say her name. Is it Carolina? Or? Carolina. Yep. Carolina. Yeah. I was, um, she was in my room. So, um, you know, she seems like they both are, they both are awesome girls. So, you know, I, I, I um, wanted the best for either one of them. I didn't really, it was kind of sad to see, you know, Carolina get um, knocked out, but you know, it's the name of the game and, um, you know, it happens, but yeah, you know, I, I hope she's doing well now. Absolutely. And, and obviously it's a big win for Andrade as, as well as the win for you. Um, coming off wins like that, you know, obviously she's got a little bit of wrestling to her too. She beat Tisha Torres with a lot of wrestling. How do you think you match up with her in a fight if that were to take place? Um, I feel like I'm definitely the better wrestler in general. Uh, I think I'm the best wrestler in the division and, um, I don't think anybody's better than me in the division in terms of wrestling. I think they know how to shoot. And they're powerful, like Claudia and um, Andrade. But there's a difference between knowing how to shoot and actually knowing how to just wrestle. I know how to wrestle. So there's a difference. You know, they can shoot and stuff like that. But I know second, third, fourth uh, chain wrestling, you know, chain wrestling and um, scrambling. That's that's what I'm known for. So um, even when they think they're going to get out, they're not. 
<laughs> yeah, and we obviously saw that too in the fight with Esparza. Um, c- coming off this fight, you you in the interview afterwards said that you're you're looking for a fight with Rose Nami Yunus, and, and it's a rightful call out here. Would you take a fight with somebody like Andrade though, if that's what the UFC was offering next? Of course. I mean, I mean, what am I be like? No, I'm not gonna fight. Well, I mean, why would I? You know, why would I say no? You know, <laughs> uh, I'm here. You know, to compete with the best in the world. And uh, in order to do that, you have to fight the best in the world. So, and these girls are the top of the of the weight class. And, um, you know, of course, uh, I think, you know, um, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I think what they did was they matched those two up because they were going to give the winner to Rose. That's what I think. So, um, you know, uh, and Andrade won in a dominant fashion. So I think, you know, she's going to, She's going to fight Rose next, and uh, I'll fight whoever they, they put me against. Uh, I really wanted the, the fight against Carolina just because um, I know that she beat Rose, um, you know, last. And so I wanted to go ahead and, you know, fight her. Uh, actually, I wanted to fight her. Bef- I, I mean, you know, I wanted to kind of fight her before this happened, but they put Andrade against her because, you know, they're both top. You know, they're both top. I was number nine at the time. You know, I feel like if um, if I never had my, like, you know, shoulder injury, I would have been at the top already and I would have been fighting for the belt. So it's just, uh, but you know what? It's a matter of time. I'm being patient and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dominating whoever they put in front of me. And, yeah. um, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to deny me. Yeah, and, and, and you rarely see that patience with fighters, too. I mean, we've talked to some people in the past who, after coming off big wins, took, like, hardline stances, we're not going to fight again until we get a title. You know, so what do you sort of attribute your patience to? I mean, you're, you're obviously young, and you have plenty of time to get to the top, and that could be some of it, but but why so patient? Why why not wanting the title shot right after a big win like this? Oh, I mean, I do, but, you know, like, sometimes you don't always get that. So, I mean what um you know don't i mean i'm not gonna sit there and dwell on something if i don't get it you know so um i'm just like ready for whatever i don't want to be disappointed if they say no we're going to give it to somebody else um and i'm patient because you know um i mean it's only a matter of time you know it's only a matter of time before i get this that belt and um you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna I'm not going to sit here and you know, dwell on something that I really can't control at this point. You know, um, all I can do is, you know, continue to dominate whoever stands in front of me, continue to work hard, continue to be, you know, uh, to focus on becoming a better martial artist every day and um, in every aspect, you know, an athlete, you know, I'm an athlete. So, you know, um, getting stronger, faster, more explosive. And um, that's pretty much, you know, what I need to focus on at this point, not focusing on, um, you know, who's going to get what shot or whatever, you know, I'm just focusing on myself and getting better as a, as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And and with the top of the division right now being Rose Nami Yunus, uh, obviously, you know, that's who everybody in the division has their, their sights set on. It, do you expect her to still be the champion when it is your turn to get a title shot? Is that somebody who you're actively keeping an eye on? Yeah, of course. I mean, she's a champ. So, you know, um, I don't know how the fight will go with Andrade. I mean, you know, Andrade is powerful and strong, and she has wrestling too. Um, but you know, you know, uh, Rose is a champ for a reason, so we'll see. You know, um, I think uh, Rose outstruck Joanna, and um, Joanna outstruck Andrade. So you know, you, n- you never know how that's going to go. But matchups are crazy. You know, sometimes somebody will dominate one person, and 
you know, um, they'll have trouble with another person. So, I mean, it's just, it's just you know, stylistically, uh, people match up differently with others. So we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned in there, too, that, you know, in the earlier question, you said that, uh, you know, the, you liked the way that you matched up with Indraj. You thought your wrestling was better and that you would clearly be able to dominate her there. You know, obviously, Rose Namajunas brings a whole different kind of game to it. Um, you're really confident in your wrestling, but you, you see no issues with wrestling her and winding up beating her up the same way you beat up Asparza? <laughs> no. I, I think I'll do the same thing I did to Asparza, and I'll do the same thing to Rose. Awesome. Actually, it'll probably be, you know, it might even be worse because Rose isn't nearly as good of a wrestler as Asparza, you know? She's longer. That's about it. But, uh, you know, uh, we saw what Asparza did to Rose. We certainly did, and, and uh, we just saw what you did to Esparza. So now, obviously, you're being patient. You're, you're willing to, to take some time before they figure out what you're going to do next, whether it be a title shot or, I, I would imagine, a number one contender shot. But since you're not really calling your shot here, how quickly do you want to get back in there? Is this a, a thing where you feel great after the Esparza fight? You're looking to get back in there in a month or two? Or is this one you're looking for a little bit of time off in, in the right matchup? Um... You know what? I'll take either. It's not like you know. I'm not like in a in a rush to get in, back in there, but I really definitely I wouldn't mind. You know, I wouldn't mind like. But if the matchmakers are like, oh well, we can't get this fight till this time or something, you know, I wouldn't mind that either. You know, because um, you know, if even in that downtime, I'm still going to be getting better. I'm still going to be going to practice. I'm still going to be, you know, tightening up my game and stuff like that. Um, becoming a better athlete and getting stronger and faster. So. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really mind, but, uh, either way, like I said, either way, if, if they get me in there in a couple of months or if they get me in, you know, at the end of the, you know, maybe like the end of the year or the beginning of the year. So, I mean, I don't really care. I'll be ready for either. All right. And either way, we're looking forward to it as well. Once again, this is Tatiana Suarez, fresh off of her victory over former champion Carla Esparza. Tatiana, thank you again so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. And that interview with Tatiana Suarez was brought to you by BJJ Tea Club. Look, is your BJJ wardrobe getting run down? Do all of your shirts now smell like a smelly ghee or the mats at your local gym? We got some good news for you. BJJ Tea Club, that's B-J-J-T-E-E-C-L-U-B dot com, is here to replenish your shirt supply. The trusted name in BJJ Tees, they've got unique shirts that rep the art you love. They'll send shirts to your front door monthly, a little reminder to get back to training, and there are no contracts needed. Just pay as you go or buy multiple months in advance. Plus, when you buy a shirt from BJJ Tea Club, you aren't just helping yourself. Every time you get a shirt from the BJJT Club, they send a shirt to an underprivileged kid. You get a cool shirt, the kid gets a cool shirt. It's a win-win situation right there. And if you go to BJJTclub.com right now and use promo code FLOW, that's F-L-O, you're going to get 5 bucks off that first tee, which means that you can get your first t-shirt for just $7.50. It's a great deal and a great cause. Go check them out. I am always at Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and here I'm with my partner in crime, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. Dave, after watching Suarez this past weekend, do you have any doubt that she can make good on these claims? Do I have any doubt she can make good on her claims? Will the sun rise tomorrow? Does a cow <laughs> say moo? I have never been more impressed with a female grappler in MMA history.
Yeah, and I, I I know that it's like our default too to use the qualifier female wrestler, but apart from Habib and maybe Kevin Lee, have you ever seen somebody who had just such a dominant ground performance as that fight in oh, let's say the last ten years since since GSP tooled on Dan Hardy on the ground? You can go to our Twitter feed at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. I did a appreciation thread. I posted some of her takedowns, which were simply nasty. Her primary takedown is an over-under. She just needs one underhook, and you are going for a ride. She doesn't even need to do a leg trip. She just needs one underhook. It's not even a knee tap, Gumby. She just needs one underhook, and she's <laughs> going to fold you up like a piece of pizza. What? Well, and the, that's the thing, too, is that, like, and she said it in the interview, too, there are levels to this shit. And the, the difference between her level, two and everybody else's level is that it's not just, like, you're seeing that one takedown. It's the chain of shit that came before. It's that when you, she goes to take you down and you're just about to get back up, you're back down again. Whereas some people shoot, fail, back away. And that, I think that's what Esparza does when she grapples. You know, like, she was successful in takedowns early in the UFC, her UFC career, but she shoots a takedown. If it doesn't work, she backs away and throws hands for a bit. When Tatiana doesn't hit her takedown, she hits her takedown right after she didn't hit her takedown. Yeah, agreed. And uh, I threw this out on the Twitter again. You go down some of the best takedown averages in UFC history. You think of a guy like GSP, who I think we all say is the best takedown artist in MMA history, never grew up wrestling, by the way, but he's at 4.16, 4.16 takedowns per fight. Then you go to Habib, who people now say is maybe even better than GSP and the best takedown artist in MMA history. He's at 5.44. Everyone's favorite heel, the guy you love to hate, Colby Covington, 5.63 takedowns per fight. Cool story, right? But guess what? There's a takedown queen in this game in the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. There is no middle ground. Tatiana Suarez is winning at seven and a half takedowns per fight. Yeah, and that's it's absolutely incredible to have that many takedowns per fight while fighting top people in the division. I'll tell you what, this entire episode of ours is basically a Tatiana Suarez love fest. We'll get back to her in a second with our combat countdown. But right now, what I'd like to do, Gumby, is talk, talk to you about UFC 228. Tyron Woodley upset the world again. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe this, but as it got closer and closer to the fight, he was actually a fucking underdog in this fight, which is wild to me. It, it had a little bit of a feeling, and I said this before, too, about Darren Till had kind of like a Francis Naganu feel to him. Everybody was so hyped on him that they're forgetting the types of things that Woodley has done. And maybe it's not just the hype on Till, but it was also like a couple of lackluster performances from Woodley. But they were lackluster performances against guys who you can't have like really awesome-looking performances against. Like, when was the last time you saw anybody look phenomenal against Steven Wonderboy Thompson? When was the last time you saw anybody like, look phenomenal against Demi and Maya? So he like fought those fights like he was supposed to fight. People undersell him. Man, dude, that even his jiu-jitsu is slick, man. All right, you bring up a lot of things I want to talk about. I think that is a phenomenal comparison to Naganu because after a similar amount of fights, and you could just feel, you could feel it, Gumby, 
the way the UFC was marketing Naganu, very similar to the way the UFC was marketing Till. I think they thought they had this rising superstar. They went and he's brash. It. He's foreign. And all that stuff sells real well. And it was disrespectful in a lot of ways to the incumbent champions in Stipe and Woodley. And I think there's a parallel there between at the time Stipe, he's no longer the champion, and Woodley, where I feel like the UFC wasn't giving them the credit they deserved at the time. So I think that's a wonderful comparison. Two, I think we've now moved to the point where Woodley is in the top three of all-time welterweights in the UFC. It's GSP, it's Hughes, and then you go to someone like Woodley or Robbie Lawler, who he has a win over, or someone like uh, Pat Militich, if you want to go old school, I think they have the same number of title defenses at three. Maybe Woodley beats that on his next title defense. But, you know, this is a guy, as you said, maybe the second fight against Wonderboy wasn't great. The first one was an all-time classic. I feel like everyone yeah, forgets yeah. about that. But he did what he had to do to win. If we're going to make MMA a sport, if Dana White wants to compare it to the NFL, if he wants it to become soccer, uh, you know, a global sport, and you want the athletes to keep evolving, Tyron Woodley is that evolution. And I'll tell you, sometimes the best football teams aren't flashy. Sometimes the best baseball teams are pitching-minded and defense-first. And if Tyron Woodley is going to do what it takes to win, you know, I get we all want to see our finishes, and the UFC wants to put in highlight reels of finishes, and that's how they market fighters. And it's the fight business, and I get that it's not 100% sport, and some of it is showmanship. But Tyron Woodley is doing everything he has to do to win. He should not be faulted for that. Well, that, and, and like we said, you know, like he's getting knocked for not having finishes. He doesn't have finishes in like those two fights. He fucking finished Robbie Lawler. He fucking dropped Josh Koscheck like a bad habit. And now he's finished Darren Till with the submission. You've got your highlight reel. Show those three fucking finishes in a row, and they're all devastating. And somehow still we're underwriting him. So I wish to God that the reunion of all reunions happens and Rory McDonald comes back into the UFC. He's the best oh. welterweight pound for pound. In my opinion, he has a win over Tyron Woodley, but you know, I don't know. It would just be interesting if you yeah, run it back. hundred so, percent. I think run it back. And that's way more exciting than Colby to me. Cause I think he yeah, just stuffs Colby. I agree completely. I think he's going to be Colby. And then who's even, let's just go one further. Who do you see after Colby as the next logical contender, depending on someone getting a win? I mean, does RDA come back into the mix? Do you give, I well, don't know. I actually, I, I actually think the best possible stylistic matchup for Woodley Oof, is probably Oof. Kamara Usman. Yeah. And, and, yep. and like, it's not an exciting matchup, and it would probably, again, make Tyron Woodley look super boring. But it's like a pretty pretty key matchup like Usman is probably set for that he's probably got to win one more fight maybe they put him against RDA if he beats RDA then he gets the Covington Woodley winner um I mean I guess you also have somebody like Santiago Ponzinibbio sitting around 10 he's about to fight Neil Magny um and, and maybe the winner of that's close but that that's not like super exciting either yeah agreed all right we'll move on though that's for the UFC matchmakers to decide just wanted to hit on that rather quickly. Uh, this is really all about Tatiana Suarez and the masterful performance as grappling nerds that we are. We just can't help but be hyped up. We talked to her this week. We're going to do our combat countdown. Inspired by Tatiana Suarez, 
It's the top five female grapplers in UFC history. Obviously, the females have only been around since 2013, so we're only drawing off of about five years. But in that five years, we will break down the top five. So, Gumby, I ask you, are you ready for this week's combat countdown? Oh, hell yeah, I'm ready. All right. It's the top five female grapplers of all time, and we had a lot of discussion pre-production on this. Who just makes the cut at number five, Gumby? Uh, we're going to go with Jessica Andrade at number five. Jessica Andrade, uh, I know everybody, you know, UFC 228 fresh on your mind. Everybody's thinking Jessica Andrade, mean-ass right hand. But you're forgetting one fight ago where she fought Tisha Torres in a fight where the stand-up was a little bit more even than people thought it was going to be. And the difference maker was Jessica Andrade's 10 fucking takedowns. That's right. She took down Tisha Torres, who is notoriously hard to take down 10 times. And it wasn't just... 10 takedowns it was 10 toss her up over her damn head takedowns uh and for that reason jessica andrage on there you i mean if you look back at all of her fights she's got 3.2 takedowns per fight and she's got good control from the top and she uses the ground and pound um it, it was hard to decide between her you know honorable mention out there to ketlin vieta um who is also a heck of a grappler and sarah mcmahon who also is a heck of a grappler both of those two on the cusp Jessica Andrade just gets the nod here. And Claudia Gadelia we spoke about too, but just guess what? In head-to-head, Jessica Andrade outgrappled her, uh, took her down four times. And when we say grappling, let's just be concise or let's be clear, you know, we're not just talking about the straight takedowns. We're also talking about top control, and we're talking about your sub game. Uh, so, you know, I just think Jessica Andrade gets the nod over some of those other girls, right? Absolutely. All right, we'll move then to number four. And while she's only had a few fights in the UFC, all right, we're being a little lenient with how we're doing this because we're also going to take into account her other pro MMA fights. We happen to think the future is very bright for her when it comes to not only her UFC career, but specifically utilizing grappling. And I am, of course, talking about the multi-talented jiu-jitsu phenom and easy on the eyes, Mackenzie Dern. So, yeah, I think Mackenzie Dern is absolutely needs to be on the list of the top female grapplers. Is her takedown game phenomenal? No. As a matter of fact, that's probably why she takes a hit, falls all the way down to four, and probably could have been debated to fall all the way to five uh, behind Jessica Andrade. But what is really impressive about her is her submission game. I mean, if you do, you know, get a little lenient and look back at her Invicta career, she fought Montano De La Rosa, who is a ranked flyweight right now, uh, in Invicta, and not only did she beat her and submit her, she submitted her with an omoplata turned Imanari choke to tap her out, which is just like an unheard of submission uh, in MMA. She's got a crazy, crazy, crazy omoplata game that you see come out all the time. And in addition to that, her transitions are just really, really smooth on the ground. So this one is definitely more of a jujitsu pick than it is a takedowns pick, whereas Andrade was more of a takedowns pick. But you can't knock Mackenzie Dern's grappling, even MMA grappling. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I think the future is just so bright for her. It's one of those things where if we update this list in a few years, she'll probably have moved up. We'll move then to number three. This is a historical pick, though I could still see her coming back for one mega fight. She's one of my personal favorite female fighters of all time. Her grappling was always on point. It's Misha Tate. Yeah, Misha Tate, uh, I mean, it would be impossible to, to make a list here about the best female grapplers in UFC history without mentioning Misha Tate. I mean, she was the original uh, grappler who brought wrestling 
you know, female grappler who brought wrestling to the UFC. I mean, we can go further back and, you know, there's people like Tara LaRosa and things like that. But as far as the UFC is concerned, she's the first real good wrestler and the first person who took that wrestling to a championship level. I mean, if you look at that fight with Holly Holm, Holly Holm is the type of person who is very hard to grapple, very hard to get inside on. And not only did she get inside on her, she took her down and took her back to submit her. And for that alone, Misha Tate should be on the list. But there are a plethora of other reasons why her grappling is top-notch. I was going to say the same exact thing. You took the words right out my mouth, and that is that I feel like just for winning the title, as she was losing that fight, heading into the fifth round, she utilized her grappling, got a late takedown, and then sunk in a rear naked choke that sent Holly to Dream Street. I mean, just that alone, it's one of the most dramatic uh, victories. It's one of the most dramatic championship victories. And she did it utilizing her grappling, her jiu-jitsu, like Henzo says, jiu-jitsu, never leave home without it. So only fitting to go from Misha Tate to our number two, their arch rivals. I hope to see them one day lock up in a WWE ring. We're, of course, talking about Ronda Rousey. Yeah, Ronda Rousey, I I mean, like, Look, people will probably knock on us putting Ronda Rousey at two ahead of Misha Tate as far as grappling is concerned. But really, the, the only thing reason that Ronda Rousey is still not in MMA kicking people's asses is, is because her, her punching is not as good, right? She's not a good enough boxer. She didn't learn the footwork game. And now, you know, we see her in a WWE ring instead. But if you look back at what she did in the cage, first of all, let's remember, she submitted Misha Tate not once. She submitted Misha Tate twice. Okay, once in the UFC, and once she damn near dislocated her elbow in strike force. Okay, you can also count, you know, submission wins over Liz Carmouche, Sarah Kaufman. She, um, I mean, Alexis Davis goes down as a, as a KO, but that one she hip-tossed her and just pounded her out on the ground, which is impressive. And then the ultimate one is the Kat Zingano armbar. I mean, that, that fight took a grand total of 14 seconds. Kat Zingano runs at her, and she just uses all of Kat Zingano's weight against it. It's, so it's not just the arm bars. It's the takedowns, and it's the takedowns and arm bars against high-level opponents. Yeah, I, I won't apologize for a second for having her number two. I mean, her takedown average sits at 6.26 per fight. So she's taking down girls six takedowns per fight. You know, her game, I think it was very clear as she got into movies, got a little more famous. You know, the Betch fight, let's take out of the picture, but Holly Holm and then um, uh, Amanda Nunes, I think you could see she wasn't well-rounded enough to keep going. We all know Coach Edmund thinks her boxing was great and she could beat a boxer, LOL, LOL. But we all know it's just that she wasn't well-rounded. When it came to grappling, when it came to submissions, there was no one better. And even if you want to tell me there was a bit of a Babe Ruth effect, there was a bit of a Hoist Gracie effect, she was an early adopter. She was the first, uh, you know, monster of a young division and a young sport. Fine, I get that. But her takedowns, judo-wise, were nasty. And then people just kind of, I don't know that, you know, Holly caught on to it. Amanda, she did try one takedown, but she was too rocked to begin with. So it's just one of those things where the game evolved around her. But take nothing away from her in historical terms. Her grappling was absolutely nasty. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. You have to separate the MMA fighter from the grappler in this case. 
All right, we will move then to number one. It should be no surprise. I think we've basically given away the spoiler on it. We could not be more in love with this grappler. She is the queen of takedowns in the UFC now. She's the female Habib. She's everything you would want in a grappler. I think a new reality TV show should be average Joes on the street coming in to grapple with Tatiana Suarez and her sending them for a fucking ride to the moon. I guess I've given it away. Number one is Tatiana Suarez. Yeah, it's got to be Tatiana Suarez because we just watched her absolutely manhandle another person who deems themselves a wrestler. And she, uh, one thing struck me. Yeah, yeah, woman handle. One thing that uh, that struck me when I was interviewing her is she said the words, and, and it, it took me a second before I realized what she had said. She said, Carla Esparza is only a collegiate wrestler. Only a collegiate wrestler. Because what she sees is that collegiate wrestling is nothing compared to what she's doing. And she's right. She's trained for the world champions two times and got bronze medals in both of them in the world championships so her wrestling is not like okay i've wrestled you know since i was in high school or i wrestled since i was in middle school she's been wrestling since she was three years old and the levels of it just completely shows to anybody who thinks we're just being way too over the top with somebody who just won or we're being too generous towards a, a guest go look at her takedowns look at what she chains together and look at not just this past as far as the fight look at her whole body of work because it's damn impressive and I think really the sky's the limit right now because I 100% agree with her that her grappling and her wrestling is a nightmare for anybody in this division. It's a fucking nightmare. I have nothing else to add. I am very comfortable with her at number one. Let's review. Number five, Jessica Andrade. Number four, Mackenzie Dern. Number three, Misha Tate. Number two, Ronda Rousey. And number one on our top five female grapplers of all time, currently of all time, all of the above, it's Tatiana Suarez. If you loved what we just laid out for you, hit us up on Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. And guess what? If you hated what we laid out, you think we could have done a better job, you have suggestions for who we should have included on there, we want to hear it. You can hit us up, at TopTurtleMMA on Twitter. Gumby, we got to move on to our UFC Russia breakdown, but one wonders, is this breakdown brought to us, or brought to you, the fans, by anyone? This UFC Russia breakdown is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. Look, we've all had those chunky mouthguards in our mouth when we're trying to roll, and we can't breathe, we can't drink anything, and we wind up dropping them on the mat when we're trying to take a deep breath. It's gross. You don't want your mouthguard on the mat, and if you don't want your mouthguard on the mat, head to sisuguard.com. That's Sisu Mouthguards, because these things fit in your mouth perfectly, and you can talk, you can breathe, and you can drink all with the mouth guard up in your mouth. You won't believe it until you try it. So head on over to SISUGuard.com and do just that. So I got three picks for my UFC Russia breakdown. Uh, the first one is going to be Markov over Alexi Olenek. Markov betting off at negative 200 to Alexi Olenek's plus 185. Uh, I like Markov in this fight because I just think Olenek is going to have a tough time closing that gap to get the wrestling working. Uh, and I think he's obviously vastly overmatched on his feet. So we're going with Markov on that one. 
In the co-main event, I got Nikita Krylov over Jan Blakovic. Both of them betting off at negative 115. Bookmakers don't quite know what to do with this one. I just think uh, Krylov is a little more skilled on his feet. He's got more knockout power than Blankovic. Uh So I see him hitting the big shot and Blankovic not being able to avoid it. I also like Krylov's gas tank more than I like uh, Blankovic's. And in the third fight, I'm going to take an underdog here finally. I'm going to go with Andrei Arlovsky betting off at plus 110 against Shamil Abdurakahimov at negative 130. It's shocking that Andrei Arlovsky is an underdog yet again. He has been for 12 of his last 13 UFC fights. But I like him here. Since he's moved to ATT with Matt Brown, or Mike Brown rather, uh, he's been really good at picking his shots, making sure that he doesn't overextend himself, and not getting caught by a, a big, tough, heavy striker, or getting plowed to the ground with takedowns. So I like him here to po- outpoint Shamil Abdurakahimov. So, my three picks once again are Mark Hunt over Alexei Olenek, Nikita Krylov over Jan Blankovic, and Andrei Arlovsky over Shamil Abdurakahimov. And this was another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. Thank you so much for listening in. We'd like to thank our sponsors, ADK Fightwear, BJJT Club, and Sisu Mouthguards for having us. Uh, we also want to thank Flow Combat for putting us on their website each and every week. You can check us out there. You can also check us out on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter, or you can check me out at Gumby Vreeland. Make sure you follow us and our sponsors. We really appreciate their support and your support. And until next week, I am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. He is Shockwave Dave Tremonti, and we'll see you.